Welcome back to the Daily Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Woods. I'm here with Daily Thunder beat writer Brandon Rabar. It is just past midnight on the East Coast on Thursday morning. And the Thunder just lost in double overtime to the Milwaukee Bucks. Brandon, you were at the game. You just left a lot of post-game shenanigans to do's. How are you? I am bummed for Shea Gilgis Alexander is what I am. Like, I think there was a lot to take from this game. The young core showed out tonight. Probably Josh Giddy's best game of the season. Actually, for sure, easily Giddy's best game of the season. Uh, probably Trey Mann's best game of the season. Poku was great tonight. Dort, some good, some bad. Jalen Williams looked really good. But my main takeaway is I'm just bummed for Shea. Like, to hit that shot, a three with a hand in your face over a defender, 0.6 seconds left, like 999 times out of 1,000, that's a game winner. And, like, you know, everybody's talking about it on, like, NBA Twitter and social media, and he's getting getting all his flowers. And he should be getting that right now. Uh, so I'm just bummed for Shea. That's, that's my main takeaway tonight. It was another phenomenal game from Shea 39 points on 25 shots 13 for 25 he hit two threes went two for five we'll talk about his threes in a minute obviously the threes were the three at the end was it was just outstanding it's the cold-blooded stuff you see from elite players in the league uh no screen just one-on-one go get a bucket and uh he got a great look. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think he was going to take a three. I thought he was going to try and get get to the basket, like we had seen him do a, a bunch during the game. Uh, played forty six minutes. I mean, there were only there were only fifty eight total minutes in tonight's game, and he played forty six of them. Ton of time on the floor, four assists, four rebounds. Um, I don't. I don't know what else to say about him. Like he was just really, really good. He was very good on the defensive end again. Um, early in the game, he had a a strip steal uh, under the basket that turned into a layup for him on the other end. Just stuff that like, uh, just really, really good stuff. Um, not many players in the league are doing what he's doing right now. His um, like it's kind of weird to score thirty nine and your scoring average doesn't go up all that much. Um, yeah. He's just putting in. Uh, game after game, I'll tell you who's not putting in game after game is whatever that officiating crew was. Um, yeah. You were at the game, like, like what was their? I mean, they had a lot, but like, what, what, what sequence or what moment stands out the most for you from that crew? I mean, I don't even know where to where to. I mean, there's there's so many of them. I, I, you know, and being in the arena, you're you actually are kind of at a disadvantage because you don't see the on TV replays and breakdowns. You know, you just see like the, the big in arena replay and they just show it, you know, a couple times from one angle. So it's harder for us to see some of those things. Uh, so we can just kind of, you know, we're kind of influenced by the crowd too, you know, <laughs> uh, but you, you got 
you know, thousands of people yelling refs, you suck. And then you're watching this play. You're like, yeah, <laughs> you do suck. I mean, like, you know, like, you know, even if you're media, you're like, you're, you're seeing this. So from my perspective, like for instance, the, uh, the lob to Brooke Lopez, that ended up being the, you know, the biggest factor of the entire game with 0.2 seconds left. They lobbed it in to Brooke Lopez and he was fouled by Lou Dort. Well, from my vantage point, it didn't look like a foul. And on the replay that we saw, it didn't look like a foul. But then I've heard also that it was a legit foul. So I, I didn't know what to, to think there. So that's kind of how it is. Like from my vantage point, there were several, several questionable calls, just utter confusion. And like what's going on, like especially down, the, you know, like in the clutch. Uh, but then gauging by, uh, you know, thunder social media like not the thunder social media but man <laughs> and, and and things like that yeah, admin was, admin popping off right <laughs> <laughs> Rose, you suck uh but yeah apparently apparently that was the case that it wasn't just from our limited vantage point but it was it was a cluster all the way around it seemed like from from every perspective well i i do think the i do think dort fouled him uh I, I do think Dort fouled Lopez there at the end, uh, at the end of, um, what was that, right? The end of first, the first overtime. Yeah, um, the end of the first overtime. Yeah, yeah it did. It, I, I felt, I, I didn't have any issues, honestly, after, after how many times we saw it. He was, Dort was kind of backing into him while he was in midair. Like he's kind of, he's kind of defenseless at that point. Like he's in his shooting motion and he's like being, kind of boxed out while, while off of his feet. So I didn't have any real issue with that, with that call. Um, I, we, we've praised, we've praised Dagnall at like pretty much exclusively, uh, on, on this podcast over, over the last couple of years. Like, I think this is the first time I was like, bro, like that's all that they had. Like a lob to Lopez was all that was ever going to happen. Um, it's, they seemed, they seemed unprepared for that possibility. And, um, it was unfortunate that that ended up being what cost them. Yeah. The, it really is a bummer. Like put Poku there, put with his length, uh, just so it's not a clean catch and shoot, put Mike Mascala there. Like those are your two options, maybe Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but really just fucking 0.6 seconds. It's so hard to catch a ball and shoot it accurately. I mean, like you're not really worried about an outside, like you want them to try to catch and shoot like a, a defended three. Like the really the only thing you have to worry about, like you said, is that, is that Brooklyn Pez lob. And so it, it really is. It just comes down, goes back to me. Like, it's just a bummer for Shea morning. Yeah. Like ultimately, this just gives the Thunder more ping pong balls for Wimbanyana. You know, it's it's not like this crushing, heartbreaking loss. It's just a heartbreaking loss for Shea and for the team because they fought back again. Once again, we've seen all season. They were down 12. They were down, you know, double digits in those last few minutes. They had a furious comeback. And, and like, you know, they just worked so hard. There's young team. So, I, you know, it's I'm bummed for them, for the players themselves, yeah. but ultimately for the franchise, you know, it just gives, you know, the Thunder a little bit better shot at Scoot Wimbignon and and those guys. But but in the moment, I'm, you know, I feel for those guys. Uh, but yeah, the, the race, it, 
There's just so yeah, much confusion. Kind of like it, it was, you know, even digging on himself, he doesn't, he never ever questions the rest. He's just said he was more frustrated with kind of like the, uh, I don't want to misquote him and I can't remember exactly, but the gist of it was kind of like the, the, the chaotic confusion, what's going on. Like, um, I think he mentioned the word procedural things like, yeah, it was like something things, like that. Yeah. It, it was yes. such, there was such a glaze over all three officials tonight. Like, like they, they kept looking at each other for, for answers and that's never that's never what you want to see like there seemed like such a lack of control and sometimes when you hear that it's like like it was a chippy game and the refs lost control of it like there was none of that they just looked totally confused they looked like they didn't like they, they couldn't anticipate what was coming like things were moving way too fast for them the the and one that was then called back like yeah they the the and one gets like the foul gets called it's a bang bang like did Shea push off did he not that right. got reviewed and it was deemed to be unsuccessful but they also looked and saw that that Shea had landed and they they had some they took some shots you know how they'll show the replay center during a replay and there right, were yeah. there were multiple refs like that you would know by name I'm blanking on one guy's name but he was he was clearly like in charge of like the ruling from their end of things. And he was saying like, you could see him motioning two shots and like, I guess we just get to go back and like rejudicate anything that happened in the play. Um, when that's not what they challenged and like, how closely did we look at, did he land beforehand? And like, first of all, it took him like, 15 seconds just to call it an and one and yes. then a lot of persuading uh, yes. just to get that call. And then they go to replay to challenge a block charge and come back with. Uh, and again, like that's probably the right call at the end, but like it took so many th- people like asking for what they wanted for you to come to that conclusion and it like the way the guy would walk over and like put his hand on the mic and like say what he wanted to say. None of it sounded like he had a lot of confidence or conviction, in anything that was happening. It all looked like it was passing him by uh, so fast. So yeah, it was rough. I know like there are probably people like screaming like, well, what about this call? Like, I'm, I'm forgetting multiple things. Cause it's been now um, a little bit since the game ended, but um, well, so, I know another one I want to mention yeah. real quickly and get your vantage point since you got to, you know, see more replays and angles and, and stuff than I did. The uh, Trey Man three that got taken off. Mm. It was a Mike thank you for screen. thank you for reminding me. Yes, it was a Mike Muscala screen where Grayson Allen felt that would have been a huge bucket that that could have been a game changer. And again, I feel bad for Trey. He had two threes that were yeah. made that were taken off the board tonight. He was five and nine from three, but he really should have been seven eleven from three tonight. He had two taken off uh, by kind of like bang bang fouls. It seemed like. Yeah, that one. Like did did Muscala move over just a hair? Uh, yes. D- is that called like more than half the time in that scenario? No. Right. Um, and let me remind you of a scenario where it wasn't called Tim Duncan Game Six 
uh, in Oklahoma City, Western Conference Finals, Derek Fisher is guarding nice. Ginobili. Uh, coming up from the exact same spot on the exact same end of the floor, um, Tim Duncan literally uh, like did the cha-cha slide into yep. into yep. Derek Fisher. Uh, Derek Fisher, like, I mean, not he didn't even have to sell it, but he did. Like, he got rocked by a Tim Duncan shoulder, um, and Ginobili hits the the go ahead three. Like, maybe it was a three to tie. I can't remember, but um, yeah, like that stuff. That stuff happens, and it did wipe out. Like, it is rough because like it wasn't even necessary like Trey man didn't affect the play it didn't free up Trey man like Trey was open already the shot the ball was already in his hands when when he was you know setting that screen um was it like that like it's the kind that goes one way or the other they called it against him it was it was really frustrating especially if like the first thing you think of is a is that exact same call uh done uh, going against you and like it was far less egregious like far less that could have easily been a no call it, i would i would go as far, so far as say it typically isn't called for as right. little as he moved um he just he glanced over to make contact and it got called but yeah it was that one was really really bad yeah that was bad that took three points off in a crucial time uh it kind of essentially ended the game it felt like once that yeah. was yeah once that was taken off and like i said it didn't affect the play at all those plays happen all the time so it was just it was just a bunch of that like down the stretch and it just mm-hmm. felt like they were they were game turning calls uh to shay's credit he was asked about it at post game and he said you know they're they're humans just like us Hey, they make a lot of right calls too. So, you know, good guy, Shay, uh, saying the right thing, always classy. Um, but yeah, I know it's frustrating for, for Thunder fans. And I, I want to say this too. It was, it was fun. It, it was like, you weren't watching a rebuilding team. It was like, you're watching a team that's fighting for the playoffs because the fans were so into it tonight. Like loud city has been really loud. It was, it was noticeably loud tonight. Like, um, very loud like it was a, like the the shea three going in felt very very like nostalgic it was yes. it was very like it was it popped uh on yeah. on uh, on on the screen yeah it was it it and it felt that way in the arena it, it felt like you know the old you know peak ford center days uh <laughs> tonight and and even when when the fans were yelling refs you suck like it kind of like you know you don't usually see that from a rebuilding team and uh, I can't, I was trying to think like, it's, I feel like the last time the place chanted refuse suck, like it's been a minute. Like I yeah. was trying to think, did they do it after like the game, the Bucks game where Giannis stepped out of the, stepped on the, the baseline on the, uh, I guess, yeah. that's like, like what, maybe the all time egregious call against <laughs> OKC. <laughs> like, like I was, I was trying to think like, it's, I think I think they're getting I think they're getting their fastball back. Like this is a very it's been a long time since since we've heard these chants. It was a it was a good crowd. It was it was a very good crowd. And and I'll say this like you know the Thunder have been an entertaining team this year, and they've they've had a lot of these comebacks. They've had a lot of you know good wins and uh, close calls. Entertain. So the team has been entertaining and. I got to give it up to, to Loud City. They've they've really 
brought it this year. Like when the, the team has been, you know, entertaining and, and competitive, they really, really got into the games and, and maybe more so tonight than, than any other game. This is super, super random, but the league pass that I have, I don't see ads. I, it just stays on the arena feed. You know what I mean? Um, like it just, right. it never leaves the arena. So like when stuff, nice. when, uh, like, um, like the kiss cam and like dance cam, I see all of that. And, um, I've seen the same people I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to see like the same couples on kiss. <laughs> nice. I'm like, Hey, season ticket holders are really showing up. Nobody's selling their tickets. Like these, these people are in it. Um, we've, Okay, so we've mentioned there. I did want to get the officiating out of the way early because there there is more to talk about. Brandon, the pass that Josh made to Lou Dort at the end of regulation, the that I, that is such an insane pass. Like that, Dagnall drew up another incredible play. This was after another interesting officiating moment. They missed. Uh, the ball clearly didn't hit the rim because Lou Dort decided to not hit the rim at all uh, from like the two minute mark of the fourth quarter to the end of second overtime. There was no rim for Lou Dort Um, (laughs) and his three that would have put them ahead misses everything. And Giddy, who we'll talk about in a minute, makes an incredible hustle play, gets it back out to Trey Mann, who is then, who then turns the corner and is like at the foul line about to go up for a shot. The shot ended up going, going up. But after the whistle, they blow the whistle with like two and a half seconds left on the shot clock to discuss if they need to reset the shot clock. That was crazy. That was, that was probably in arena. That was the most confusing. We had no idea what was going on. It took a while to figure out. Yeah. Uh, The the in arena announcer finally, finally let us know. It's so funny, you know, because your media and you, you think, you know, you're, but a lot of times we're clueless is what I'm saying. We, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, you're, if you go back and look at it, these, these officials get together and they, one looks mad at the other for blowing the whistle. Like one knew that it shouldn't have been blown. And then, uh, so now they have to cover for each other. Like, yeah, we blew the whistle. Now we got to go make it look like we meant to, and we had reason to. So they go look at it. It's not even it's not even close. Like, like you won't hear me say this often, but props to Chris Fisher for making it. I mean, he legitimized it as much as he covered for him as much as he could that the ball might've no, not even close. It, it hits. It almost, it almost, he almost shot it out of bounds. Like that's how far over the rim he shot it. So Josh throws it back out and it, it really hurt the thunder theoretically in that they now have to take the ball out with two and a half seconds left on the shot clock or whatever. And right before they handed the ball to Josh, I was like, this isn't, this is probably fine. They're probably just going to get a lay a layup out of this because Josh is the inbounder and he threw it behind everyone. Uh, If you're listening, go pause, go pause it. When Josh takes the ball back, and look where Dort is. He's like almost still above the free throw line. And he still has two defenders to run past. And Josh is already like, it's the ball's coming out. Um, it was it was astonishing. I I was just laughing uh from the time he threw it through the timeout. Like that is an amazing, 
amazing play and amazing pass. Like his anticipation and accuracy is phenomenal. You know what's great about that? He was asked about that pass because I thought all the same things that you thought. Um, he was asked about it in the post game, and he said, uh, the, "You know, those passes look a lot harder than they actually are." Which is even more impressive to me <laughs> that it's like so nonchalant, like, "Oh, that was, you know, that wasn't that hard a pass. That was just an easy pass for me." Uh, he's he's kind of like a you know Will Hunting, like in Good Will Hunting, when he's yeah. like, uh, "You know how easy this is for me? Like something <laughs> that we think is hard." Uh, that was Josh Giddy making those passes. So Josh Giddy had by far his best night tonight. You know, he's kind of been, uh, uh, I'll say critiqued, uh, so far in this kind of short sample size season so far. Um, but tonight all those offensive rebounds, just time after time down the stretch, he just kept giving the thunder more opportunities. And he said, you know, his shot wasn't falling, uh, so he wanted to impact in another way, and he did. Like without all those offensive rebounds, that game doesn't go into overtime, and it doesn't yeah. probably go yeah. to a second overtime as well. He made a lot of huge, huge plays with his his hustle, but then he hit some shots too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he struggled big time in the first half, but the second half, and then down the stretch when the Thunder were making that comeback, he made a bunch of big shots. Um, a lot of those kind of push shots, floaters, mm-hmm. uh, mid range in the paint, at the rim. Uh, Josh was great tonight. You know, his overall shooting numbers, I think it was like 9 to 19 for 18 points. So that does, you know, that doesn't exactly scream great efficiency. It's fine. But it's when he made those baskets and when he turned it on and really the the offensive rebounds and, like you said, those big winning plays like that pass to Lou and a couple other passes. He was, he was really, really good tonight. I... I was going to ask because it felt the first half to me felt like more of the same that we've seen. I was like, man, we're getting another kind of a a disjointed game for Josh. This is, this is a bummer. I wonder if he's going to, if he's going to close the game. And it looked like for a minute that he wasn't. And, uh, and then he came and got, I think Trey um, for the last like four minutes or so. I think Trey was reinserted. Um, but he came back, I think with like four and a half, four forty left. And, um, and it felt like from that, like from that, those last few minutes, it felt like really salvaged his night. Had you, that was, that, that was from my perspective. Did you feel like he had already like done enough to kind of like change the, the way that we talk about his game? Like prior to that or was it just those last few minutes because it seemed to me like a lot of his contribution was just so much of it uh right there at the end like the the offensive rebounds the steal uh for that dort lay-in that i think got it to two maybe even a tied it i can't remember but um it seemed like a lot of a lot of positive stuff from josh right there at the end was it all there or was there more stuff prior to that that you were encouraged by uh, there was a few plays i was encouraged by really his overall second half play i thought was was fairly strong but yes most of it came had he not done what he did in that flurry of a comeback in the last couple minutes regulation and then again in overtime and double overtime like especially the the, the whole team kind of struggled that second overtime and i yeah. think that was just they were winded They'd played a lot of minutes and, uh, you know, 
they had to really, really fight to come back. So they exerted a lot of energy. But yeah, the the last few minutes of regulation and that first overtime, I think Josh uh, was a huge factor. And, and absolutely, that's that's what really made his night a really, really good night or were those moments. And and that's what you want to see from Josh. And, and hopefully that'll kind of help him get out of, you know, the, the funk that he was in. Uh, and I, I think some of that's been kind of like a little bit overstated. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think he's been terrible this season by any means. He just hasn't been what he was last year. And you're hoping to see like a leap, like, you know, an upward trajectory. And a lot of that is just kind of usage. He, and he missed a couple of games and, you know, he hasn't had the ball as much and things like that, but he found a way tonight, even without the ball to, to affect the game. And then when he did have the ball, he affected the game in crucial moments too. Good night for Josh. I, I was, um, I was really encouraged by him just taking smaller guys down to the block and just hitting that little push shot over him. Like that can be such a weapon for him because they're going to, we we're seeing a lot of, a lot of guards in these lineups, there's going to be, there's going to be smaller guys on him from time to time. And, and his, his willingness and ability to block, to back down guys is uh, very encouraging. Um, I thought yeah. that was one of his, his strong points tonight was just the awareness to take a smaller guy into the paint. Yeah. And he mentioned that in the post game as well. He brought that up specifically. And, and again, I think that's such an advantage for him when you're playing point guard or shooting guard and you're six, eight, six, nine, like that's, that's what you got to do. Like you got to take advantage of mismatches. If, if they're putting a six, four dude on you, a six, three dude on you, you need to be able to go down and score. And he did that tonight. And hopefully we'll see, you know, even more of that, you know, you, you want to find ways for, for Giddy to be efficient, scoring especially if he's gonna be playing some off the ball and i think that's one of the ways that he can do it are you are you i'll ask you i'll ask you like this like scale of one to ten where's your where's your concern level with um with the i guess the awkwardness between is he on the ball with when Shay's on the floor? Um, like how do you, where are you at with, with the two of them, you know, kind of coexisting at the same time? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say it's a slight concern. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a big concern by, by any means whatsoever. I think this is so early in the evolution of this team and of these two players working together, because you got to think, uh, even last year, Josh's rookie year, he missed a lot of games and then Shea missed a lot of games and they were separate. Yeah. So they didn't play together a lot of the times. And, you know, you got to think the first half of that season, they they were just kind of throwing lineups out there. And the second half is where they really decide, OK, we want, you know, to, to kind of stagger and to share the ball and things like that. But then they didn't get to play with each other very much at all. So and then even this season, Shea missed the game. Josh missed a, a few games. Um it's a it's a slightly funky fit because each of them needs the ball in their hands to be most effective. I mean, Shea taking this kind of all-star leap, you could even argue superstar leap, the way he's been playing. If he keeps this up, he's playing at a superstar level. He needs the ball. I mean, he does. He can score off the ball, and he can play off the ball. And Josh can play off the ball. But for Josh to be most effective, he needs the ball as well. I think they'll figure out they're 
very unselfish guys. They want to make it work. They're both talented guys. Uh, I, I trust Martin Dagnall to figure it out. Um, I think one of the missing elements is Chet. You know, Chet is supposed to be kind of that connector piece, that glue piece. It's supposed to be a big three, a young big three, but, you know, they're the three core pieces right now at this moment that could change uh, that they're building around uh, change in that, you know, maybe they get somebody this year to, to add to that, or maybe somebody like J-Dub or man like emerges and kind of like breaks away from, from the crowd or whatever. Um, I, I would say it's a slight concern because you do want them both to have the ball as much as possible and you want them to be able to play together because, you know, right now they're, you know, in theory, the two most talented guys on the team playing. Um, so, you know, but, but Josh needs to lead a unit. Shane needs to lead a unit. It's so early on. I, I wouldn't worry about it, but it's, it's worth talking about. Another guy that was phenomenal tonight was Trey Mann. 21 points, five of nine from three, um, eight of 16 from the floor. He got in, he played 36 minutes. The shot looked really, really good tonight. Very comfortable. He's still doing, you know, all the same things, getting great separation. Um, was really, really impressed with his minutes, especially late. Yeah, Trey was really good. And and to go back to Josh and, and uh, Shay, because we brought up Trey, man, Trey was great tonight. He, he was his shooting, you know, he has the ability to hit shots like this. Like, I think he's a great shooter and his numbers so far this season don't show that, but he hit, you know, 35% high volume as a rookie. I believe in his shot. Um, but the whole idea behind this Thunder team going forward is they want all these guys to be able to handle the ball. They want them all to be playmakers. They're taking, that's like kind of the new prototype guys that can handle high IQ team oriented, pass the ball. Everybody shares, um, it's just the thing is Shea is breaking out as this like superstar ISO score one-on-one can get a bucket anytime he wants. So there's just this balance, but you know, you got Trey who can handle, you got Jada who can handle, uh, Dort can handle, Poku can handle, like you got all these guys and that's the idea. And that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. And it's going to be a positive long-term. They just got to figure it out. It's, it's a good problem to have that Shea is breaking out to become yes. this yes. star they just got to figure out how, you know, to, to make work. And I trust that they will. Poku was such, such a good uh, piece on defense tonight. Um, his, his rim protection, the way he stays disciplined. Brooke Lopez is such a large human and <laughs> Poku did a really, really good job of, uh, of making things tough, rim protecting, helping on defense, knowing when to, when to, uh, you know, rotate and, and maybe, you know, stunt, maybe show a double, um, and then get back. He was really impressive. His wingspan allows him to cover a lot of ground, um, get to shots that I think a lot of shot or a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that are going in for shots are not thinking that he can get to, and he's erasing a lot of stuff at the rim, and it's starting to, I think it's going to start to pay off in that guys just aren't going to try him as much. Um, he's been someone that guys have, have tried a lot in the past, like especially his rookie year. Um, but it's, it's a different guy on the defensive end. Like he, 
he was his absence was really felt on the defensive end in the in uh in the games that he missed and it was a huge bonus to have him back tonight he was really good on top of just shooting the ball well like i'm looking at 10 rebounds four of seven from three played 39 minutes only picked up one foul uh scored 17 17 10 two assists two steals two blocks um he was really really good poku was really really good he missed he he made his first four three-pointers he's affecting the game in like every area yeah rebounding assists points spacing shooting and really like you said like his weak side help defense and like um the thunder without chet holmgren don't have a true center right now like you could argue JRE and Muscala are really naturally a power fours more centers. Moose may be a, a center, but you know, he's he's not a a beefy guy, he's not a stout dude. And Poku's kind of been put in this position, especially tonight against Brooke Lopez, uh, you know, defending the post some. He's defending in the perimeter, and he's been capable. Like he he really has. Like he's transforming into a legit NBA player. Like, you know, a couple of games you can be like, okay, you know, broken clock. And, you know, it's right twice a day. Like all the jokes <laughs> that you want to make about Poku. Is, but when you take the last couple months of last season and the beginning of the season, like the sample size is growing and growing and growing. Uh, and then preseason and things like that. Like it's it's his awareness. It's his just the way he sees the game. You can tell he's he's a smarter player on the court and he's a better player on the court. I've, I've been really, really impressed by Poku. Like you can make the argument I'm not making the argument, but you could make the argument that he's been the Thunder's overall second best player this season, like most consistently second best player behind Shea this season. I'd have to look at the numbers and look at the game logs and things like that. But it feels like in a lot of these wins and and close losses, Poku has been the second best player on a lot of nights. You mentioned that. I don't know. He he probably didn't end up being the second best player tonight uh, after the, you know, the, the last, of the regulation and, and overtimes. Uh, but for three and a half quarters, he was the second best player tonight. Uh, you mentioned the, the kind of the lack of a center. Um, JRE only played, he started, but only played 13 minutes. Saw more minutes from Kendrick Williams, more minutes from Jalen Williams, uh, more minutes from Muscala and Trey Mann. So four players off the bench uh, saw more, more playing time than, than uh, Jeremiah. And we, we should mention Baisley went out with an injury after only playing four minutes. Uh, looked like he came down on Brooke Lopez's foot, uh, ankle sprain. I think the I think it's his right ankle. Um, did they say anything else about that post game? No, nothing post game. Um, hopefully Baisley has been a, going to be okay because he's they actually really could have used phase yeah, i was going to say uh, they probably i think they probably would have played him a lot more in this game yep it, it was a perfect game for basely they really needed his his size defense rebounding uh you know shot blocking they could have really he's been a, a positive role playing shot blocking defensive gadget player bench player this season like he's he's been a net positive i feel uh, for the Thunder this year. So I, I do think he was missed tonight. They they could have really used him, uh, you know, down the stretch. Um, 
the minutes from the minutes from JRE were short. Um, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on like starting someone like him or Muscala, but just playing playing essentially four guards most of the game. Yeah, you know, it's again that they're just lacking size with Chet Hurd and losing Bays early on. I would have thought we would have seen more of JRE, but they know truly seems to be kind of riding the hot hand. Like if you're playing well in a game, he's going to keep riding you. And and right. I like that. Like if you earn those minutes within that game and JRE's and like earned minutes in a lot of these games, he's been a really good threat from three point range. And of course we know he's like a good connector. Blue guy does all the little things, but Poku was playing really well tonight. Trey man was playing really well tonight. So those guys just continue to play. I think that they believe in the whole positionless basketball thing. And then when you got guys like, you know, Shay is long for a guard. Josh is really big for a guard. And then Poku, you know, his wingspan and things like I think that they can live with not playing, you know, another big like a JRE down the stretch because they feel like they can get by with with some other length and wingspans and in other positions. Jalen Williams had a great block tonight. Um I think it was Dort uh Dort got beat uh guy going baseline and Jalen met him anticipated it well came over and he just raked it away it, i think it ended up being a, a wedgie actually i think dort got a got a <laughs> hand on it um after after the block but um but yeah i think i think dagnall is challenging all of these guys like you're you know we're obviously playing without um a traditional big you're all you know tasked with defending the rim whether that's just great defense on the perimeter or challenging guys that are that are going up for shots, and they all have incredible length to do that. Um, it's funny we're saying a lot of the same things we said last year, like not really playing much of a traditional center. Um, like, how cool would it be, like, if next year this is where, like, Chet just kind of a role that's just perfectly uh, suited for him to to slide into. And we're saying the same things this year, except Chet's over there sitting on the bench, hopefully absorbing a lot of uh, a lot of great rookie year type things. Uh, even though he's not playing, it's uh, it's it's crazy. We're I sound like a broken record sometimes talking about centerless lineups, but he's just sitting over there, ready, waiting to waiting to be unleashed. Yeah, yeah, it really has. Uh, that's what's kind of fun about this this Thunder team. I think like with this roster, with all these young guys. Uh, like any given night, it seems like a, another one can pop up. I've, I'm excited about J-Dub. I'm excited about, like, I thought he had a really good night tonight. Like, overall, like, you know, he didn't play a lot of minutes, but when he was in there, I felt like he was a positive. And, you know, like, tonight was, like, Trey Mann and Poku. Uh, you know, there's been nights where it's JRE. There's been nights uh, where it's, oh, who's, I mean, there, there's just so many. I, I don't feel like we've had a, a Lindy Waters game yet. but <laughs> Isaiah but Joe? Yeah, yeah, Isaiah Joe. Yeah, like an Isaiah Joe. That's a perfect – that's what's fun about, like, this deep roster with these young guys. Like, any given night, uh, you don't know – like, every night you know Shea's going to bring it. Um, but it's kind of fun to see which of these guys go off on any given night. And and, and I think that, you know, like Ujman Jang, he dominated a, a G League game earlier today, so he didn't play tonight, but – I feel like there's going to be an Usman Jang game at some point, you yep. know, down the road. Um, 
and, and I think each of these guys are talented. They're young, but they're talented enough to, to go off on any given night. So this was what loss number four in a row for the Thunder. Four in a row. That was the other bummer because it's it's four in a row now for the Thunder, and it really, really probably should have been, you know, an, an end to that streak and been a, a high for these guys. Last time we were on, uh, they were riding high off of a four game uh, winning streak, had taken uh, the record above five hundred. Um, so, and again, the schedule is still still pretty difficult. Um, but as we've seen, uh, you never know guys might be sitting like Giannis tonight. We didn't see Giannis either game, uh, this year. Um, and am I right in saying that? Wait, say it again. We didn't see Giannis in the first Milwaukee game either. No. So that's a bummer because right. you only played the bucks twice and, and we didn't get to see Giannis either time. But um, and if you're gonna and if you're gonna lose to the Bucks anyways, you'd rather at least get to see Giannis, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like you're gonna you're gonna uh, you're gonna run into teams that that sit guys and those those games that you thought were you know penciled in L's are all of a sudden very competitive games, and sometimes they're competitive games no matter what. This that's just how this team plays. That's how it goes in the NBA from night to night. And next up, Friday night against. The Raptors, that's a home game, and that's when, uh, right after that game, is when they will head out uh, east for uh, a stretch of games. Uh, Knicks, Celtics, Wizards, Grizzlies, and then back for the Knicks uh, on the 21st. So um, an interesting stretch coming up for them. Some winnable, uh, definitely. Uh, some games against that that game at Boston will be interesting to see who plays. Um, that's a tough team, good defense. So um, another thing I'm excited about is just watching Shea. Like I, I keep thinking, like you know, tonight, you know, Milwaukee is going to test their their defense. Really going to test him. No, 39. Uh, these these teams that you think are going to maybe slow him down a little bit. It's he's kind of immune. Like he's really elevating into that elite scorer. Uh, status and he's doing it a lot uh, with uh, without the three pointer. Um, it's it's just really rare if you look at the guys up at the top of the scoring leaders uh, the last few years. Like most of them, aside from maybe Giannis uh, or Embiid, and Embiid he'll still take them. Like they're, the three pointer is a big part of what they're getting. It's amazing what Shea is doing. Uh, you know, on a huge diet of of three of uh, uh, two pointers, paint shots and free throws. Yeah, it really is. And that's why it was nice to see him hit two clutch threes. Of course, you know, the one that everybody's talking about that should have been game winner, but he hit one before that too. in that mm-hmm. blurry at the end of regulation that got them even a chance yep. to take it to overtime. So he hit two clutch threes and he hit them both in a row. Like he, he was over three on the night and they hit two in a row. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of taken the three point shot for the most part out of his game. But you know, I've I've been asked why several times, and I really just think it's because until you can stop him going to the rim or hitting right. mid range right. shots, why take a three? Like, right. you know, if you look at his career, he's a thirty five percent three point shooter. He's a solid three point shooter, and and he's much better catch and shoot open threes. I believe in a shot absolutely. He just takes a lot of hard ones. He's mm-hmm. he's defended. You know, he creates his own shot all the time. He gets double teams. He gets, he was doing that step, sidestep, step back for a while. But I think he's a good shooter. But I think it just comes down to he's so efficient in the mid range. 
and he's so efficient going to the rim. Like, why change it up? It's kind of like in football. Like, you know, if you're running the same play, just run it until the other team can stop you. If the defense can't stop you running up the gut, just keep running up the gut, right? So I think that's just kind of his mentality. They're not able – it's wild, too, because teams are packing the paint. Teams are sending double teams. Teams are putting their best defender on him, and it just doesn't matter. He's still scoring at the rim and in the mid-range. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible to see with the least amount of spacing and the most double teams, the most drives, and, and all those things that he's scoring at such a high volume so efficiently – Without the three-point shot, you just don't see it. I mean, I guess DeMar DeMarose might be the closest uh, comp I could think of, maybe. Yeah, it does It does remind me a little bit of of the start that DeRozan got off to, um, I believe it was last year. Um, just so efficient and... Um, and doing it, doing it a lot from the, a lot of the same places that Shea is. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, all right, we'll wrap it there. We will chat again next week after a few of these games transpire. We'll we'll hit them all. And uh, Brandon, uh, thanks for for staying up late and uh, and chatting over this one. Hey, Ryan, thanks for hosting so late. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, everybody, take care. We will talk to you next week. This is the Daily Thunder Podcast. If you like this podcast and other Daily Thunder content please consider supporting us on our Patreon page. For just $5 a month, you get access to our morning roundups of Thunder news, notes, and commentary. It all gets sent to your email automatically, along with our jam-packed weekend edition newsletter that has exclusive and early release content. For $6 or more a month, you qualify for things like free t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, and special live event passes. For more information, visit patreon.com slash daily thunder. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for supporting daily thunder.